Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing everything E.H. Taylor. We'll go through the history of the distillery, current news, and of course, our personal favorite aspect of the show, the tastings. And of course, with me, as always, is my intrepid and brilliant co-host, Andy Kleshik. Andy, how are you doing on this fine, sunny afternoon? Not too bad. I mean, like you said, I've been trying to uh, enjoy the weather here in Cincinnati lately. You know, finally after like two or three weeks of just straight snow and shitty weather we finally have some semblance of spring here in march yeah thank goodness i'm excited for spring i'm loving spring um the weather is you're when you know when you're getting days that get up in the 60s or i guess we're in the 50s 40s and 60s and we're gonna we're gonna hit hit the 60s next week though so i'm really excited about that that's uh you know when you know a spring has sprung so that that's really nice yeah yeah no that's that's definitely good um the only other way we know spring has sprung here in cincinnati is uh getting the daily flood warning in, in hamilton county down near downtown of course yeah that ha- that's got's gonna happen you got a you got that river effect there <laughs> yeah. see, see, seen that a lot lately i mean i think for the past week at least for me i live a little bit closer to downtown than you do yeah um i think for about the past week week and a half we've been under flood warning notices for yeah. uh right now i think that's the ohio river right oh yeah yeah, I remember back uh, when I was living downtown, there were some times where it, it flooded in like the street, uh, Marion Way, right there by the ballpark, and then Paul Brown Stadium, right there, Moore Line, kind of right that that right that road right by the river. It was actually flooded into the river, the road, and I was like, oh jeez, you gotta be careful if you <laughs> look down driving. at the banks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm excited about March Madness. Is Xavier gonna gonna make a run for it? What's going on? I don't know. I I. I I honestly think they'll make the the tournament. Um, I'd be it'd be crazy if they didn't. They have such a good record. Yeah, yeah, they have a good record, but they haven't played too many strong opponents. Yeah. Is the issue because of all the COVID and stuff going on? Of course. Still, um, I mean, looking at it, I think they'll make it. I think they're going to be lucky if they make it past second weekend or even first weekend. Honestly, really? with <laughs> the way they with the way they've played the last like four or five games. Gotcha. Well, hopefully that's not the case. I need someone to root for. Uh, hopefully, typically I only yeah. root for Duke, and Duke is garbage. They're hot, yeah. hot garbage. They this might year. not even make they it. They might not make it. So I, I'm not getting. I can't even like count on rooting for them. So it's like typically Xavier is my backup team. My dad went there for undergrad. I went to uh, grad school at UC, and I hate UC. Uh, so I always, <laughs> so so I always root for Xavier. Here. And yeah. if Duke's not in it, then I want Xavier to be good. So yeah. hopefully they at least make it. Otherwise, I'm going to end up rooting. Root, otherwise, I'm going to end up rooting for Michigan just to piss off the OSU fans. <laughs> <laughs> of course, always got to piss off of you. Of course. Luckily, uh, we are able to... Uh, I'm very excited about this episode, Andy. We're able to celebrate the... Uh you know, the ringing in of spring with a very special episode of very uh, incredible yeah. bourbon that I'm really excited about. So why don't we just go ahead and dive right on in. And uh, Andy, why don't you tell the folks everything they need to know about E.H. Taylor? Yeah, of course. And this is actually kind of ironic that we're talking about spring and flooding and everything because in the past about a week or so, E.H. Uh, Taylor, which is pre- distilled and produced under the Buffalo Trace name, that distillery was actually flooded. Oh wow! Due I didn't to, know that. Uh, river overflowing, so right B- next to the BT flooded, huh? <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of ironic and coincidence that uh, we're talking about them this week. Definitely, uh, that's crazy. I didn't know any damage. Is everything okay? I don't know. I think I think they're still assessing it all, gotcha. as far as I've seen. But it's like you can definitely tell 
in the pictures I've seen, it was like parking lots underwater. Oh, wow. Level. That's not good. So he couldn't have yeah. died. So I'm assuming they shut down for a little bit. Yeah, they were shut down for about like no tours, anything like that for about a week at least. Gotcha. Wow. I had no idea. That's crazy. Well, everyone, yeah. I would say before we really get started, make sure make sure you pour yourself a glass of Colonel E.H. Taylor if you can get your hands on it. Yeah. Uh, if not, grab some, maybe some other Buffalo Trace Distillery, BT itself or Weller 107. Um, I was just telling Andy before the podcast, I had Weller 12 year over the last weekend when I uh, traveled and visited up in Cleveland at a bar or a club called Vault. Very, very tasty. Just yeah. grab yourself some kind of Buffalo Trace product, pour yourself a glass, and then we, of course, have our uh, E.H. Taylor here. Cheers, yeah, Andy. Cheers. And uh, let's do it, man. Yeah. So this is a product uh, coming out of Buffalo Trace, as I was mentioning. Uh, it's, it's only The brand itself is only about 9, 10 years old now, I think. It was first introduced into the marketplace, as far as I can see, about 2011-ish. Uh, right there around the turn of the 2010s um, of course named after one of their more famed and former master distillers uh colonel edmund haynes taylor jr makes sense who uh was both a former colonel in the civil war i don't know i don't remember which side he was uh fighting on but um you know was, he was former colonel there but also was kind of credited for bringing well what is now buffalo trace what was formerly ofc at the time uh distillery in kind of into the forefront of um bourbon in kentucky and he was something this kind of gained him the title of father of the modern bourbon industry if you will Uh, and it's something that you know as a brand they've been continuously operating ever since and he was succeeded by a former or well i guess former um master distiller that we've covered previously uh albert blanton's i think it was blanton's at least no no yeah i think it was blanton's i don't remember if you want to be definite definite and sure go back and listen to some of our previous yeah. podcasts go back and listen to our blanton's episode go back and listen to our buffalo yeah. trace episode we go a lot more in depth on some of the history there yeah actually well actually no i, I take it back i think it was actually george t stag oh back we also like have the, an episode of stag jr you ironically can take a look like at that last one month well. <laughs> that one um hopefully we'll get a bottle of george t stag here and then at some point yeah later like another one from them soon to cover again yeah yeah um but it was something that, you know, after after the Civil War, he didn't immediately start into the bourbon industry. He kind of started into the banking industry, or what was the banking industry in America at the time, at least. Uh, he helped, And he helped finance a number of uh, different distilleries, helping them get off the ground in Kentucky, running and everything. And it was something that, you know, kind of uh, helped him get into the game get connected to a bunch of different distillers uh at the time famed distillers at the time and it was something that in 19 or 1869 rather that was what then eventually helped get him the connections to buy the ofc distillery what is now buffalo trace definitely and it was something in you know like the next decade or two he uh helped upgrade and modernize the distillery by Innovating and bringing in, you know, copper fermentation tanks, um, grain, like state-of-the-art grain equipment for the time, column stills, modernized buildings, 
steam heating systems, you know, something that's just a whole bunch of different things that that for the time were revolutionary, but now we in the bourbon industry kind of take, well, at least the bourbon industry kind of take as granted for uh, in helping produce such a wonderful product. Hell yeah. And he was also actually a politician too. Um, I think maybe sometime a bit during his tenure as a master distiller there at OFC prior to George T. Stagg taking over in 1879. Um, but he was the mayor of Frankfort, uh, Kentucky for about 16 ish years in the 1800s uh, and actually ended up helping push for what ended up becoming the Bottled and Bond Act in America of hmm. 1897, oh, wow. which really helped set a lot of standards for what we now consider bourbon. Yeah, of course. Um, and if you can go back and, and listen probably to, I don't remember, we wouldn't. Henry remember, McKenna at least. Yeah, Henry McKenna for sure. Others. I know maybe uh, maybe we talked about it a little bit during the New Roof episode, but I know yeah. Henry McKenna especially, we covered it. Yeah. Bottled and Bond, that is. Yeah. The Bottled and Bond Act. Yeah, and it, it's something that he, you know, he really pushed for what ended up becoming that act in America that basically set standards for creating a, if you will, a standardized bourbon product. As much as you can consider right. a I mean, liquor standard among different distilleries. High quality, least. yeah, you know, consistent, you know, at least you're going to be getting a certain couple of things yeah. out of it. Yeah, exactly. At least you can get a standard consistency among it and know that that bourbon that you're buying is the best of the best and is not going to contain uh any like at the time any of those bad um sulfates like bad things that a lot of shady distilleries were kind of putting uh into their bourbons to make it look more aged or better than perceivably it really was and Absolutely. so yeah, and so it was something that, you know, of course, he has a lot of that history for creating not only a great brand that we now know and everybody loves and is allocated and everything, but is now, um, you know, a lot of other history in the bourbon game. And E.H. Taylor, I think all of their stuff, um, I think all of it's about a seven-year-old product, roughly speaking, so... Fairly standard age for the um, product among most bourbon distilleries is a non-age statemented bourbon um, among all their products. But I think, as far as I can see, I think it's a seven about a seven-year product, year old product. Um, I think also using Mash Bill One. I could be wrong in that, but I think it's using Buffalo Taste's Mash Bill One in it. And of course, they've had several different. Um, products in the game since its release in 2011 or so uh the ones that you can find for sure and the one that we're drinking is there a currently right now we're drinking their uh bottled and bond small batch today yep but the, i think the ones you can find consistently at least allocated consistently right now because buffalo chase is just being a turd ball about <laughs> all their them and sazerac is just being a turd ball about allocating everything right now with their expansions that's not going to help them that's not going to convince him to send us some bottles andy <laughs> i know but but you gotta they're, they're doing truth. it gotta speak truth to power right? yeah i mean i mean it, it's what they're doing they're as far as i'm concerned they're kind of allocating everything um 
on the marketplace right now, even regular Buffalo Trace. So when you say they're allocating that, they're what do you mean? Explain what you mean by that. Uh, basically, they're kind of holding back some product, like for their own, for their own distillery to sell there, but also allocating like what is basically you can find it at least in America in the U S. Uh, like what you can find in each state, and like which liquor store is based on each state's liquor laws, distribution systems, etc. Uh, you can find there. So it's kind of like allocating the production or the supply into the marketplace. Gotcha. But uh, basically, I think the main ones you'll be able to find, uh, they're small batch, which like I said, we're drinking today. And then the, I think the straight rye... Which is probably to, the easiest to find, right? I think that's the easiest of all of them to find. Yeah, it's, when it's you the can, only one we've been able to find so yeah, far. Yeah, when and where you can find it, exactly. Yeah, so when I bought it, I got this bottle and I was bragging mm-hmm. to one of my, my bourbon buddies about it. And, and he was like... Did you get the single barrel? I'm like, no, dude. I was glad that I was able to get the small batch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're lucky to even find that right now. Right. From them. But I think you can find that, maybe their straight rye, and the single barrel. Um, I know the distillery itself, I think, will have one of those consistently rotating in their lineup of what they would sell there when they're not flooded and closed down. Hmm. <laughs> um, Are they back up and open yet, or...? I don't think yet. I think gotcha. they were closed down for the last at least week to let the flooding kind of recede and figure out what they need to do there. Wow. But uh, they've also have an 18-year marriage product, which they do, I think, different mash pills and different barrels and everything for it there. And then... And the main thing with that one is that it's basically just a older-aged bourbon? That's the main thing It's a very that? long-aged bourbon. What's with the marriage uh, um, mentioned there? Do you know? I, I was looking this up. I think the marriage is like what they'll do is it, I think they do like different barrels and different mash bills and stuff. Gotcha. Like I think they do like some of their, like the mash bill one, their weeded mash bill, um, some of the different mash bills there to try and create kind of a, so they kind of marry a couple mash bills together to find a n- more unique, maybe bold flavor. I think that's what they were doing. Yeah. Okay. If I'm correct on that. Gotcha. And then, um, Past that, the only other ones that they've had, at least in the past, I don't think they're selling any of these now, is the uh, the Barrel Proof, and then Cured Oak, Seasoned Oak, uh, Four Grain, uh, and then the Amaranth, Amaranth, and then Warehouse C, Tornado Surviving Barrels. I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Yeah. That that would be funny. That would be fun to get a, our hands on a bottle of that if that's still surviving. Yeah. And then um, an old-fashioned sour mash. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Very good. So that about rounds us out, right, Andy? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, folks, it's that time for the tastings. I am super excited for this because as we've, we've gone through here, this is obviously a very exceptional bourbon. Very excited about it. If you're able to uh, pour yourself a glass, go ahead and do that now, and uh, we'll jump right into the tastings here in a minute. Yeah. All right. Now we're going to dive right on into the tastings now that we have our glasses of the Colonel E.H. Taylor Small Batch Bottled in Bond Whiskey Port into our glasses. And of course, as always, we're going to start with the nose. Let's get that aroma. Let's get the nose up in there. Let's let's get let's get to sniffing, Andy. See here. A little bit of like a red fruit or like a cherry sweetness to it to me like combined with a little bit of like a wheat sweetness that i get i get that um i'm getting like 
a Maybe, lot of like caramely fla- uh, notes there. I, okay, okay. I, I'm got, not like a sweet caramel type coating with maybe like some i get the like the dark cherry type mixture in there yeah i'm not getting the caramel but i agree with you on the like that fruit note i'm getting Um, a pretty strong i'm getting a pretty strong hit of of alcohol ethanol type flavor as well it's there you know for a hundred proof bourbon i don't think it it really smacks you in the face on this in the nose not at all but i think it also lets you know it's there absolutely yeah um but it, it's interesting that you I get so much sweetness while also really getting that alcohol scent. Yeah, I I think kind of with the caramel, I get like I get a lot more of like an oaky, like oak or woody note a little bit to an extent there. Yeah, it's more like so a, than it's the like caramel. A sweetie for me, it's like a sweet oak type mixture. Yeah, a little caramel, a little oak combined. I definitely get that yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, it's kind of like barrel, like barrel aged. If you did like a barrel aged old fashioned note, or like a barrel aged cherries note in like a liquor, something like that. Yeah. To me, that's kind of if I had to describe it, that's what I'd get out of it. Definitely. All right, let's dive right in. See what the palate tastes like. Mm-mm-mm. What do you think? I'm getting a lot of that oak that you mentioned. Yeah, a lot um, of like that woody oak. Yeah, I'm not getting at all the the caramel that I got in the nose. I'm not getting that at all in the palate. Yeah. But I am getting a lot of the oak that we talked about. I, I, it's still a little bit of sweetness to me. Yeah. But not overall powerful at all. It's not really that sweet, but I'm getting like a little vanilla hint almost. Yeah, I, I, I could see or, vanilla Or, or in maybe there. not even vanilla, but more like floral, like flowery type hint. Uh, like yeah, kind of like a vanilla florally, woody note on the palate. Absolutely. Like if like if you, it's almost like if you had like the like the nose to me kind of brings out like cherry fruit mm-hmm. with the oak, where like if you were in like a cherry tree uh, pasture or whatever, like grove whatever. Okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then the flavor. Like the palate to me is more like if it was like in springtime, like smelling them, mm-hmm. like all the cherry trees right as they're blooming. Yeah, that's yeah. what it kind of is to me. I love that. I love to that. your point. I'm getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of pepper and still a little bit of that vanilla right through the finish there. Yeah, very, yeah. Very, the, it hits you hard, but still kind of smooth somehow. And then and then the, the finish is really pleasant. Like I don't yeah. have any love the aftertaste. Very great. It's almost it really reminds me. Of maybe if you were to, it kind of reminds me of just like an older, longer aged version of Buffalo Trace. Really, a little bit. Really, really high a little quality. Bit. It's great. Um, super hard to get. I understand why because it's a high quality product. It's hard to find. You know, it's rare, so people want yeah. it, which just makes it even harder to find. And absolutely, if you can pay retail, grab a bottle. Do it. I don't care how many you even have. If you have what, other, what did you pay some. for retail for it? Forty five dollars. Forty five. It's not bad. No. Absolutely. So I would say, uh, just you know, it definitely lives up to the hype. I'm very happy with it. No, I agree with you there. Any other final thoughts, Andy? Um, not past what you said. I mean, I think it's if you can get, like you said, retail about forty to fifty bucks. Yeah. Even even anywhere pay, in that range. Even if you had yeah. to pay fifty, hopefully you can get it closer to forty. Even uh, if you're willing to pay maybe up to sixty, seventy. I, I don't would, know if I'd go that far. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you, if you can, get I it would for, be willing yeah. to pay up to if that. If you can much. get it for that, definitely you should. Let's hope that you can get in that 40 to 50 range, but it's yeah. worth grabbing. Absolutely. 
everyone who see everyone who knows bourbon walks in and sees it on your shelf, they're going to be gonna impressed. They're going to like it. They're going to want some of yeah. it. It, it's great. It's great stuff. All right, folks, that's it from us this week. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, anywhere you get your podcasts. We're at all of them. Uh, make sure yep. you subscribe, leave a review. We want to know feedback, positive and negative, and make sure you share it on social media with all your friends. We're really trying to spread the word, uh, go word of mouth, and, and really bring some incredible things to you over the next uh, several months. So we're really uh, looking forward to it. We need, of course, your help to make that happen. So get on there and make it happen, folks. Have a great week. We really love you guys. Pour yourself another whiskey. I know we will. And don't worry, America. We'll be here to drink with you next week.